And I want to also welcome those who are worshiping with us online, those who are watching our live stream, and um, those who will be listening to our podcasts and the likes. Uh, and uh, LiveGate Outreach TV, we are on YouTube as LiveGate Outreach TV, on Instagram as LiveGate Outreach Center, all one word. You can find snippets of our programs there. But we have on our Facebook page, LiveGate Outreach Center, our services on Sundays fully live streamed and recorded. So you can have the whole experience of the service over and over again. And so I want to encourage you to subscribe and to also make those resources available to you. I always say this, that we are such a blessed generation. In my days, we had to queue for tapes to make sure we caught messages that uh, we listened to and we wanted to listen to again. And um, how blessed we are in our day and age that these things just are available to us so easily and free to the glory of God. So let's continue to avail ourselves of those resources and God will do something new in every one of our lives in Jesus' name. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Believe me, certain things will not change until you hear and hear and hear again. Hallelujah. So you have to apply yourself to that hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Then when the light comes, the Bible says it's like a day star that arises in our hearts and it changes everything. And I pray that that will continue to be our portion in Jesus' name. By the grace of God, we are continuing our series on unction to function. We are on session six and our banner there shows that we are on the unction for teamwork. On the line number six, unction for teamwork. And uh, I want to appreciate God for helping us in the last five weeks before now to do the five topics that we have covered so far. And um, we have three more to go because we have three more Sundays this uh, October. And uh, we have unction for promptness next week, unction for productive labor, and unction for enduring legacy. And I pray that God will teach us as he puts these words into our hearts indeed in Jesus' name. In this church, we value the word of God very much. The change that a person gets in life truly is, or the transformation a person experiences in life is truly a function of the word of God that is at work in them. Believe me. When you find yourself manifesting the spirit of God and the fruit of the spirit, thank you, you can take the banner down now where you find yourself manifesting the fruit of the Spirit and those things that God desires, it means that there is a direct proportion of the Word of God that is at work in you. That's all it is. When you find yourself manifesting the flesh, it simply means that area of your life has not yet been touched by the Word of God. It has sense knowledge, it knows it, but it has not yet been transformed. That's why Paul said, you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Keep giving it to the word of God. Then one by one, you start to see yourself behave like God, think like God, desire like God, hate like God. One of our series early next year is loving like God and hating like God. I can hardly wait to get there. (laughs) Loving like God and hating like God. You will see what God loves and love it and see what God hates and hates it. It's all in scripture. But let's wait. Let's finish this year first. (laughs) Hallelujah. It is so important. It's the word of God that makes that difference. And we must be people who continue to apply ourselves. We have been talking about unction 
meaning inspiration and enablement. I cannot overemphasize that enough. Unction is not just motivation. It's not just some desire. It is a power. Somebody say power. When we talk about the unction, it, we also, in some cases, call it the anointing. Have you ever heard when they say the man carries the anointing? It's not just because he can talk something. It's because when he talks, he talks, it convicts, and then the power is evident that what he said has come to pass. That is unction. And so I want us all to learn that what we are encountering these few weeks is the ability to have an understanding of God so that whatever unction he needs to release for you to be a success or function in an area, the wisdom of God and the knowledge you have that God can make an unction, don't forget, inspiration and enablement available for you there, will help you see why some things that have been looking impossible are actual possibilities. The Bible says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Hallelujah. And if impossible is confusing, you say, for with God, all things are possible. So whether it is possible you believe or impossible you understand, he guides you into it. (laughs) For with God, say with me, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And for with God, all things are possible. So whichever way your brain works, he has settled it for you. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want us all to plug into what he wants to do with us. Job 32.8 has been a very, very base scripture, but that there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. There is a spirit in you. The inspiration of the Almighty, the unction of the Almighty, the breathing upon the spirit in man gives him understanding. 1 John 2.20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. We have been quoting these scriptures all these six, uh, six sessions so far. As we look at teamwork today, I want us to understand that God's, God created man for fruitfulness, for multiplication and dominion. We know this from Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27. He said to the man he created, Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. Genesis 1:27. Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. And it's very important for us to know. You see, why will God, who created a man in his own image, breathe into that man? That man is now a living being. Now say, be fruitful, number one. That is reproduce after your kind. And then multiply. Why will he need a multiplication if God doesn't need a many version type of that man. As a matter of fact, God himself started the multiplication physically. In Genesis 2.18, God called that man. He said, it is not good for him to be alone. I will make for him a helpmeet. And then he brought out the woman and he said, you will help him. And the process of teamwork started from there. This is why even in marriage, we must understand that whilst marriage, the Bible says two people come together, they become one. Marriage is teamwork. Marriage is teamwork. There are some things that there is no, 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 no devil can push me into the kitchen to try and cook. No matter how hungry I am, I will, I will sleep like that because there is no chance <laughs> under the heaven. If my wife is not around, I will not try it. <laughs> I can't don't say I can't cook anything. I can cook some things. But there are some things that there is no way. No way. Because it is, that is not my part of the teamwork. <laughs> I know my job. She knows her job. We pull it together. 
And then we have a team. It's perfect. She's a master organizer, master planner. She can see things. She can see colors and see people sat down in clusters of things. Me, if it's not a building, I can't see it like that. (laughs) I can't see it that beautiful. But if it's a building, yes, I can see it that way. And so on and so forth. But I want us all to understand. And of course, I have my own strengths. When we are traveling, I used to say to her, she doesn't ask one question. What our ticket is, how many transits we have, has never been her concern. I was feeling all, when we traveled to Nigeria a couple of weeks back, I was the one feeling all the PCR test, passenger locator form. She would just ask, have you filled the forms? <laughs> and I say, you are very funny. You are not even asking how these things are. You're just, you're always just to appear at the airport. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that is my, that is, in, now in some couples, it's the woman that does that because she has strength for such things. I have, we have some cousin family friends like that. That is a woman that organizes all their trips and things because she is wired up that way. So I'm not saying it's, there's a definitive role, but you must understand that in marriage, it's teamwork. It's teamwork. And that was the first place God showed us teamwork. I'm emphasizing that because I want you to, again, reevaluate your marriage and see whether you are working as a team. So the concept of teamwork is the basis for fruitfulness and multiplication. God put it in place right from the beginning. I would like to define teamwork as a combined action of a group. The combined action of a group. So it's more than one person, especially towards a collective outcome. There is an intention for a collective outcome. And when people come together, this is why we must understand that whilst we'll be looking at the godly context as Christians and what God intends for us to work as teams, within the body of Christ and as Christians and as Christian couples and so on, teamwork is a principle that draws the grace of God for performance regardless of who you are, whether you are born again or not, whether you have an intention to do the things of God or not. There is a grace that comes down when people come together. It's very important. How do I know this? Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. Some people came, Genesis chapter 11, some people came together and they say, let us build a tower and make a name for ourselves and that this tower will rise to the heavens. And God looked, the Bible says God himself, who created man, looked at them and said, these people are team working. I'm paraphrasing now. They are team working. And if we, talking to the Son and the Holy Spirit, don't go down to confuse their language, this thing that they are doing, because they have leveraged the power that is in coming together, will be accomplished because there is a grace I have released to mankind. I'm, I'm expanding Genesis 11 for you. There is a grace I have released to mankind that when they come together for fruitfulness, multiplication, dominion, it, is, it, it will happen for them regardless of what they think of me or not unless I stop them. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So he said, let us go down and do what? Confuse their language. Let's put an end to it because what they are doing is not in my will. So I want you to understand this. If God, if people who don't have a regard for God and wanted to set up something that is anti-God and has no regard for God, are by God's admission, almost accomplishing it, how much more we who know the Lord and are working for God and are in God's agenda See how much we can do. I was telling 
two of my children that were riding to church with me today. And it always fascinates me when I'm in a plane. Believe me, I've been flying since for 42 years now, 43 years this year. <laughs> it comes very quickly. I was a young boy when I started flying. I was about nine years old. And I've always been fascinated by planes. I'm always surprised when I meet a person who says airplane doesn't mean anything to them. I say, how can you? Which kind of human being are you? <laughs> Those super machines that man put together that carry 100 people, at times 550 people plus six cars, six cars. The Airbus A380 can carry up to six cars with 550 people and lift up. I tell you, if that does not do something to you about the mind of man, I don't know what else will. <laughs> I'm always intrigued about just one spot in the whole flight experience. When that plane puts its nose up and the first wheels in the front lift up and then the rear ones lift off the ground, something always happens to me. That this is the point where man said, I can conquer gravity. This is the point where man says, I can conquer a natural phenomenon by the inspiration in my mind, whether he's a Christian or not. Why am I saying this? We limit ourselves, especially as Christians and those who are truly walking by the inspiration of the Almighty God, when we live in realms that are Highly limiting. Because even people who don't know God stay in the natural realm and think and walk together and draw grace that has been given to all mankind for fruitfulness, multiplication, and dominion. So I want to charge us as a body of Christ and as people who know the Lord not to waste the unction for teamwork. God promises his blessings where there is unity for productive work. We always read Psalm 133, from verse 1 to 3, very importantly, but I want to just make some emphasis on it today. Because unity is the precursor to this unction, especially within the body of Christ. Let's look at Psalm 133, verse 1. The Bible says, Behold, how good and how pleasant. Those two things are important. Good is for God, pleasant is for man. It is good in the sight of God, it is pleasant for man. The Bible says, When brethren, Dwell together in unity. It is good and it is pleasant. God is the giver of all good gifts. So when we do what he has given us, it is good in his sight. It is like a sacrifice. It is like a fresh, fresh fragrance of sacrifice to him. And it is pleasant for us. It is a sweet experience for us when they dwell in unity. What is it like? Let's read verse 2 and 3 together. It is like what? Precious oil. Somebody say the anointing. Say the unction. It is like precious oil upon where? The head. Running down on the beard. The beard of Aaron. Aaron representing the priesthood. Which the Bible says we are today. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. First Peter 2.9. A peculiar people. So it is like that oil. That unction that comes from the leadership. The headship. Jesus Christ himself the head of the church, and to everyone who is part of that body, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. Verse 3. It is like, let's read verse 3 together. Verse 3. Go to verse 3, please. Thank you. Let's go together. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. 
For where? There. The Lord commanded the blessing. What is it? Life forevermore. John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and have it forevermore, abundantly. He said, if you want to experience what I have come for, walk together. This is why when he was leaving this earth physically, he said, go to Jerusalem and tarry there. And the Bible says, when they were together in what? In one accord. Do you know that some pastors have used that thing to preach that they should buy them under accord? <laughs> I tell you, I just remembered now. I had messages like that in the late 80s. Say, that means you should buy me a Honda. Those days, Honda Accord was a very popular. Do they still make them? Accord is still, is still there, yeah. But they were very hype those days. He said, well, they were together. So you want to see the Holy Spirit? Buy me an Accord. <laughs> the Bible says, when they were together in one Accord, that is in one understanding, one commonality, one language. They were all, most of them, all of them actually were Galileans because that's what the people testified. The Bible says the Spirit came upon them. Somebody say the anointing. Say the unction. We must see ourselves as in need of teamwork. Show me a couple that will attend anything together in this life. I will show you people who work together. Show me. Show me a family that will advance in this life. I'll show you people who are together. Show me any organization where they are making progress and their stride. And I'll show you where people are united and the system makes them united. Disunity and things that affect teamwork are de demonic strategies to limit what man can do, especially the godly man. And we as a people must be very determined not to allow anything to rob us of that. Why do you think the devil will do anything he can to bring misunderstanding between husband and wife, between parents and children, between siblings? I took a picture with my elder sister when we were burying our father a couple of weeks back. And when I was looking at that picture again, I was full of laughter. My sister is four years older than me. And uh, I'm bigger than her in stature now, but when we, were young, when we were young, she was so big when I was very young. Before I turned about nine, eight, she was much bigger than me. And so I used to really pull her legs. I used to, if she, we, we, we were living in a place, we were sharing a room at a point, and um, it was a very small room whereby the bed in the room, you had to pull out my own bed from under. You know those kind of beds where you roll out one bed from under to create two beds, yeah? But you, you have to push it back in the daytime so that you can have some space in the room. So one day I just wanted to cause trouble. I say from today, and the room was small. I say from today, and I'm the one sleeping in the pullout. I say from today, I'm no more pushing back my bed. That me too, when I enter the room, I want to be seeing my bed. <laughs> she looked at me and said, why do you like causing trouble? <laughs> I reminded her that story. That story happened 40, 42 or so years ago now. I reminded her that story and we laughed. As siblings growing up, we fought a lot. 
Well, for today, we still fight a little, but it's better now. <laughs> but you can't separate me from my sister. You can't. We're so close. So close. She defers to me in almost everything. Like I said, I'm four years younger than her. But she, if she hasn't heard from me, she doesn't take some decisions. But the devil will always want to make you fight some of your siblings. He will always want to make you fight your parents, fight your children, fight your spouse, fight your team members. I don't want us to just jump into this function for teamwork before we understand that there is there is a war that doesn't want any team, whatever that team that is coming together for a collective group action to function. So we must understand it and work against it. I want to quickly give us three examples. One we read in the course of the uh, Bible reading. Pastor Lola led us earlier on reading Numbers 13. And we read it all the way from verse 17 to down to verse 33. I'll just pick a few verses. You know the story, I believe. But read Numbers 13 and read Numbers 14 if you want to get the whole picture of this particular thing we're talking about. But the first thing I want to say is that the example of Caleb and Joshua is the first example I want us to see of how the teamwork unction given by God was used positively. God spoke to Moses that that was the land he was giving to them. And Moses and God said, choose, God himself, said, choose representations from the 12 tribes and let them go and look at the land for me. Now, that means that it is a settled matter. It was a land that God was giving them. It was just for them to obey certain things. God knew that those giants were there. God knew what the hindrances were. But God told them, he said, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. And when Moses sent them, he said, when you get there, you will find grapes, you will find fruits. He said, bring back those things. And that was exactly what they did. They brought them back. And I keep asking myself, they said they saw giants there and they were cutting grapes. So what, what, what was so difficult for them to see that if the giants could do anything to them, they would have killed them when they were cutting those grapes. <laughs> and this is the point I'm trying to make here. When we are in teams, we must understand that when there is an unction of God on us to function, whatever that team is, team marriage, team family, team church, group, team church as a whole, we must understand that there will always be the Anarchites. There will always be the giants. But in every case that God has brought us together to work as a team, like the 12 spies, we must continue to leverage on what God has done and refuse those things that the enemy shows us to try to limit us. The Bible says after this, when they came back, I'll read now Numbers 13, 27. They told him and said, we went, thank you. They told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows. Somebody say, it truly flows. That is to say they confirmed. They confirmed that this is real, as it has been said. So if they agree that it truly flows with milk, and honey, and they even brought evidence of the fruit, why should they not agree that the land has already been given to them, regardless of the giants? The Bible says they agree that it truly flows with milk and honey. Verse 28, it says, but nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. 
But let's go straight to verse 30 and see what Caleb said. The Bible says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, What? Let us, let's, let's read it together. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession. Take it again from let us. Let us go up at once and take possession. One more time. Let us go up at once and take possession. For what? We are well able to overcome it. Caleb did not and Joshua did not doubt that there were giants there. They did not live in delusion and say, oh, there were no giants. He said, because God has given it to us, he said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able. This is the spirit God wants us to have. This is the unction God wants us to function in when we are in team when we are in teams commanded by God. As you journey through life, you will be coming across obstacles and times where it may look as if you are now facing a set of giants that will stop you. How many of you remember, those of you that have been married for some time, how many of you remember that before you got married, you were afraid of some things? (laughs) You were afraid of some things. You thought that those things, how can I do this? How will I pay for this? How will I do that? Then you got married, God helped you. Then you started getting afraid of when children will come. How will I do this? How will I pay that? How will I do this? And then you got into it. And as you move from stage to stage, there will always be something that you are looking at in front. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to say is that to work as a team, we must have the spirit that was on Caleb, the unction that was on Caleb, the unction that depends, thank you, you can put down the scripture now, the unction that depends on God's ability. He said, for we are well able. I've explained to you 2 Corinthians 9, 8 so many times. Don't turn to it, but you should know it by now. He said, and God is able to make what? All grace abound towards you, so that you, having a sufficiency in all things and at all times, will be able to abound unto every good work. There is an unction. And as a team, what you must do, like Caleb, is when one person or other parts of the team are discouraged or in despair, you must rise up in the commandment of God and say, we are able. Hallelujah. I say, you are able. In the name of Jesus. God is looking for people who will take new grounds. There is no fearful person or nobody who will not walk, who will need to take new grounds that will not need this function. And every one of us must understand that if we are to become who God wants us to be, and if we are to raise a generation after us to become who God wants us to be, then we must be people who are taking bold steps. Who are taking bold steps. So Caleb still the people. This is what we must be doing in our teams. Every time we are working in team marriage, team family, team church, team uh, office, whatever that team is, as long as it is the right thing to do, as long as it is the godly thing to do, let's keep drawing auction. auction. Say with me, I am able because God is able. You are not able because you have experience. You are not able because you have qualifications. This is some of the mistakes that some of us make, especially in our work life or business life. We, we, when we are faced with a challenge, we start to draw experience, which looks okay in the, in the real sense of it. 
We start to say, oh, I've done this before, I know what to do, and all that. Which looks okay, because you should reflect on what you've done before. But never forget the fact that there is also the opportunity for you to draw unction and do what you have never done before by the help of the God who has gone ahead of you already. Hallelujah. This way, we find ourselves inspiring our teams. Let's not be like those ten spies. If you read Numbers 14, God was not happy with them at all. As a matter of fact, none of them saw the land. Because one thing you can do with God is to doubt him. One of the biggest pain man gives to God is to doubt God. God is always against those who walk in unbelief. Those who walk in pride. Because it's pride. Unbelief is pride. Unbelief is saying you are wiser than God. Unbelief is saying that you have it all together and from every analysis you have put together, that is an impossibility. (laughs) That is saying that God cannot do it. Those kind of things we must never allow in our lives. I want us all to be people who work together. Quick thinkers, quick thinkers, quick action. When we were to travel home, uh, again, you know, we had to ship many things and move many things. And our beloved brother had helped us to move some of the things. Then we got another carrier, and my wife put them in, and uh, they went. And then she called the person and said, when will this thing arrive? Then the person said, the thing will arrive in Nigeria the very day we are doing the very... <laughs> my wife said, just turn your truck back and come <laughs> come back now. Come back now. So I looked at it, and I said, what are we going to do? She said, well, many of these things can't go. I said, no, they have to go. You want them to go. You know, she mobilized half of England to get to that uh, country, but don't worry about that. <laughs> I said, they have to go. I called Brashegu and he came around. I said, look at all these things. Let's see. And at the end, we had 15 bags. I've never traveled. I used to laugh at people who travel like that. <laughs> people from my country, when I see them in Heathrow, pushing bags upon them. I said, where are you? What are you carrying? Then now I understood. <laughs> I understood. So we had about three, you know, full trolleys of bags and things like that. So, but something funny happened at the airport. We, we paid for them ahead of time. Excess luggage, we paid per bag and all that. So, we were okay, but they were weighing them to check them in. And one guy came to me. I thought he was serious. You know, he came to me and he said, Sir, I want to ask you a question. <laughs> I said, what is it? He said, do you know something I don't know? I said, what do you mean? He said, because the way you are packed is like you are checking, you have heard something and you are running away. <laughs> Say, please tell me, I need to <laughs> One of the airport officials, I was tensed at that time, trying to get these bags in. But you know, that joke so calmed my nerves. You know, I laughed and laughed. <laughs> I said, no, there's nothing I know that you don't know. <laughs> I said, I'm only going to my country to do something special. I said, ah, thank you for telling me. He said, because. I looked at these bags. I said, this man must know something. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe there's a nuclear bomb or something. (laughs) You know. And we were really tensed up to that point. Roshego was with us. We, you know, up to the point he could follow us to. So we were really. But when I shared it with my wife, we laughed again. And, you know, it so diffused everything. And from that point, all the tension in the journey just flew away. But I brought that up for us to understand that at times, you know, you will confront things and whatever God wants to use to make it easier for you, he will bring it. Whether you joke like that or something else, he will bring it. Share it in your team. 
Share it among yourself and help your team to get along. Even the workplace, I discovered that we are discussing with business colleagues and there is a tension point. Maybe somebody has messed up something and it's going to cost the team money or something. There is a tension point and this and that and this and that. Find a way to bust that bubble. Find a way with the wisdom of God to allow that. Anytime you drive out Satan, unction comes down. And then you start to get an inspiration as to how you can go from where you are right now to where God wants you to be. Hallelujah. So let us continue to learn these things. Number two, Nehemiah's elders. I'm just giving you some examples of people who walk by unction. Nehemiah, we know his story. God inspired him to go and, you know, he saw the need to go and repair the walls of Jerusalem to rebuild them. Because they were burned down. And he went out, took that, you know, wonderful permission that God gave him through the king and so on. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 16, the Bible says, And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. This was when he made a reconnaissance survey around the walls. And he saw the extent of damage himself. He said, I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Let's read verse 17. Let's read it together. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Somebody say with me, collective action for a collective outcome. He said, look at the problem. That's the leader, the inspired person who needs to mobilize a team. I want you to learn something from this. Whether you are a husband, whether you are a mother, whether you are a father, or you are a leader of a team in a church, wherever you are, there is a problem, no doubt. But the Bible says, he said now, come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Let us take a collective action. Now, Look at the next thing he said in verse 18, which you must never ever trivialize. Let's go, verse 18. Let's read it together. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. Say, I told them of the unction upon my life. Never play with it. He didn't stop at saying, come and let us build. He said, and I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he has spoken to me. And then let's read together. What did they say? So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. You see the link between the problem and the solution and how the team was mobilized. The man with the unction declared to the team, and that propelled the team to take steps. I want us all to understand this, that we have a responsibility as people who lead teams and work in teams to continue to tap into the unction of God. And whatever God has said to us that he is about to do, let us not be afraid to declare it. Be confident of declaring it. Whether the persons that you are declaring it to will understand or not, doesn't matter. Just tell them it will be possible. Somebody say it will be possible. Say it is possible. When you speak like that, some people like Sambalat and Tobias will say it is not possible. Some people like those, that man that we call the economic man in the days of Elisha will say it is impossible. Don't be mindful of such people. 
because it is possible, not in your ability, but because there is an unction upon your life that will help you to mobilize your team accordingly. And you will keep achieving the results. I say you will keep achieving the results in the mighty name of Jesus. So we have looked at Caleb and Joshua. We've looked at Nehemiah. We can look at so many. Last week we were talking about Gideon. If you read Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 7, you will see how God mobilized a team of people who worked with Gideon very powerfully as well. But today I want us to look at the third example, the apostles. The apostles themselves. After receiving the Holy Spirit, doing that wonderful, notable miracle in Acts chapter 3, the Bible says the Jews and those people who were the leaders of the, uh, of the temples were very, very uh, upset with them. And they said that these people, because there is this notable miracle, there is no way we can stop them. And then they said, let us get a hold of them and warn them not to preach again in that name. <laughs> but in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible says, after they had dealt with them and being let go, these people went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Let's read verse 24 together and see the power of teamwork. Let's go. So when they heard, they raised their voice to God with what? One accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And they went on to quote the Psalms that said, why do the heathens rage, nor the people imagine vain things, and so on. And reminded God of his word. But the key thing here is that as soon as Peter, James, and John came and told them what was happening to them, the Bible says they raised their voice to God with one accord. They remembered, as we read in Acts chapter 2, that as they were with one accord, there was a move of the Holy Spirit that gave them an undeniable evidence of his presence, where they spoke the language of so many people that they have never spoken before. And so they did the same thing this time. What am I trying to say here? Friends, we should never be afraid of opposition against our teams. When you find anything trying to harass your teamwork, whether it's team marriage, team family, team church, team office, team business, when those things are trying to come against you, mobilize as many that can be in one accord with you, especially in your team marriage. Mobilize your spouse and pray together. Don't use the occasion of the enemy trying to separate you as an occasion for you to be separated. Use it as an occasion for you to insist to come together and watch the enemy be crumbled in Jesus' name. Every one of us must understand that there is power in coming together. Look at verse 31, Acts 4, verse 31. Let's read it together. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was what? Shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The same people who were warned not to speak the word of God anymore. They spoke it with boldness because they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody said they all carried the unction of the Holy Spirit. It's very important. We all need it. See, friends, you cannot achieve much on your own in this life. I didn't say you can't achieve anything. But every man needs some man. Every man needs somebody. Everybody needs a team needs a group of people, needs certain people that ought to be reached that will cause them to experience the next level. It is impossible for me to do what I'm doing in this church without the team that God is building around us here. It is impossible. 
virtually impossible. There are certain aspects of the task. Now, when we started this work, do you know that I was the one that cleaned this place? I was the one for weeks. I would come on a Saturday evening and start using the vacuum cleaner. This was September 2013. I was the one. And I would vacuum everywhere. And I was excited, of course. You, you know, you are starting a fresh work and, you know, you just... So when I noticed that, well, the time is coming, the people are coming, there's a need now to have people who can do that. I said here something jokingly. Maybe some of you that probably will be here then will remember. I said something jokingly. I said, well, it's time for us to have a cleaning team now since we have so many people. I said, otherwise, you see, when I stand here to be preaching, instead of me preaching to you about the power of God and the goodness of God and giving you good revelation, I'll be telling you how Hoover is better than uh, <laughs> Dyson <laughs> because that is what I spent my Saturday night doing. <laughs> and everybody laughed. But you know, from that day, that was the way life clean started. And since that day, I mean, I still clean from time to time. You may not be aware of that. I still come in when it's possible and necessary, do a bit of cleaning from time to time, especially if we have meetings in between the week and before life clean can come in. So I'm not saying that it's a problem or I, I stopped doing it completely, but it was no longer a weekly commitment for me. These days, I just look at what the choir I want to present. I don't have to think again to say, please select this song, select that song. I follow them now. I look at their songs, all their lineups for today. They, they send it in their group. I look at it, sing the songs myself, get into the spirit with them, the same spirit with them, so that we can minister together with them. But somebody has done all that work. They have taken weeks to get to this service, as you see them like that. They don't just come here. This Saturday night, they are scratching their heads. They ask Sister Grace, which one is? And then that one says, ah, that song is good. <laughs> no, that's not what they do. They have spent weeks praying, trusting God, talking together, looking at the themes that we are looking at, putting together the songs. And then we, we come and minister. What am I trying to say? Teamwork is so essential. Some of you take care of admin work here that for years, I've, I don't even know what you do there. I'm just aware that you are doing it and it's helping us to, to make our reports and the things that we ought to do as a charity regularly. You need team. You need a team. Don't let the enemy ever tell you. And this is what I want to quickly share with us. Some things that you must keep reminding yourself. Anytime the devil wants to make you live like an island. We have many people today who have a disregard for the marital institution. Men and women alike. Who think they can do without their wives? Who think they can do without their husband? We have many children who think they can do without their parents. We have many team members in the church who think that they can just be by themselves because they carry the Holy Spirit. These are end-time devices of the devil to isolate and kill. They are end-time devices of the devil to isolate and limit. We must keep fighting them. The first thing you must realize so that you can keep drawing on the unction of the Holy Spirit for you to be effective in teamwork is that you must realize, like the Bible says, two are better than one. Say with me, two are better than one. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Very simple. It said two are better than one because what? They have a good reward for their labor. Verse 10. He says, but woe to him who is alone. Sorry. For if they fail, thank you. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. You will have someone to help you. I say you will have someone to help you. In the name of Jesus. Now, I know we balance the fact that we don't put our trust in the arm of the flesh. In fact, the Bible says it's a curse to do so. So I'm not telling you to put your trust in man when you should put it in God. But understand the importance of man that God has put around you. 
Overcome this temptation to just want to be by yourself. Overcome it. Humble yourself. You can't walk with this person. You can't walk with that person. And everybody is wrong. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Somebody says she has been married five times that she wonders why men are just like that. No, no, no. Men are not just like that. You need to check it. Five times? No, check it. <laughs> men are not just like that. Something is just like that with you. <laughs> we can excuse two times. Maybe, you know, some... But five times? No, no. Men are not just like that. It is you that is just like that. <laughs> I'm not trivializing nasty experiences that people unfortunately have. But you know something? We need to be checking ourselves. We need to be checking ourselves. At times, we just argue. We're just proud, especially men. Your wife told you good advice, but because you are the man. Somebody say, the man. I say, say, the man. <laughs> because you are the man, you, you, you disregard her opinion. You're on holiday. You are looking for the museum. You have never been to the town together. You are there. You are walking the street. She said to you, ask that postman, where the museum is. He said, no, I have my sat-nav here. He said, I'm not asking anybody. Then you turn the whole family the other direction. <laughs> and meanwhile, the museum is just around the block. She told you, ask that postman. You say, no, I don't, I don't, I don't have, have the map. Say, let's keep going. When you are going, you say, ah, we're going the wrong way. <laughs> then later you come back to the same man and say, please, where is the museum? In fact, when you are doing all that, she will just go and ask the man, where is the museum? The man said, museum? Just turn around the corner. At that time, she won't call you again. She will just go there. <laughs> if you like, go oh, and find that there or not. <laughs> There's no need to be proud or arrogant about anything. It, at times, it can be your child. That is telling you, you need to learn something here, dad. This is wrong. You, you spoke this, but that is not the best way to put it. Learn, whatever it is. Humble yourself. God has put people around you so that you can be effective. Two are better than one. Two heads. Many times you need to think with somebody. I'm calling one of my mentors later this evening because some very, very vital decisions are about to be taken in my life. And I remember 17 years ago how I consulted him. Sound counsel from him. And I was reminded yesterday, say, call this man again. You have come to another crossroad. I have mentors like that. You may not see them preaching here. But they are in my life. I don't, I don't carry everything by myself. There are people, many people that I'm helping as well, that will call me and will look at. But there are people I also look up to in many areas of life. Every one of us must understand that no man is an island. Two are better than one. Say it with me. Two are better than one. For they will have a reward for their labor. Number two, let us leverage the power of encouragement and fellowship. Let us learn to leverage the power of encouragement and fellowship. When we come together, there is a power that is made available in being able to encourage one another. Proverbs 27. I'm giving you some scriptures that you know or you may know, but I want you to think about these scriptures in the context of what we are saying. He said, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Very important. I sharpen you, you sharpen me. There are days that you need to hear a word from me. There are days I need to hear a word from you. 
Some people think that pastors are superhumans that have no feelings at all. They have no heart. The day they call them pastor, God took out their heart and threw it away. <laughs> so they don't even imagine that they have emotions. After my dad went to be with the Lord in August, on August the 1st, there were days I felt, I felt it more than other days. You know, thank God I knew he's going to rest. But when, you, when there is somebody that has made so much impact in your life, you cannot, but from time to time, the text message, the calls from the brethren, from the friends, went a long way to lift me in those situations. I've done it for hundreds of people, many times over the years, strengthening them in their own time. But when my time came, it was also necessary that people helped to encourage And I know the principle of David encouraging himself in the Lord. By the grace of God, I walk in that a lot. But there is a time. You need that iron. You need that iron that will sharpen you. And I pray God will continue to bring him or her your way. In the name of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 24 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Hebrews 10, 24. Stir up love and good works. Hebrews 10.24, please, somebody change that for me. Thank you. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider one another. Let us not use our teamwork as an occasion to pull down one another. See how you can stir somebody up. They are sharing a testimony of their life with you. Stir them up onto good works. Encourage them. One of our sisters texted me in the course of the week and said, oh, she's been very, very uh, uh, strong, and that's why she hasn't been able to do things and all that. And I found that, you know, it probably, she probably hasn't told anybody. And I said to her, but did you tell people this? And then I encouraged her and encouraged her. Because, you know, the truth is we are all here to keep staring one another up in love and in good works. Let us not be judging one another. Most of the time when you see people struggling through certain things of life, there are more things that is happening around them than you know. They may not say it. Many times people don't say it. I'm not saying it's good not to say it, but at times the truth is people don't say it because they just, at times they're embarrassed by it. At times they just even don't, they get so overwhelmed. Let us continue to consider one another. Who are you considering today? Who are you thinking about today? Outside your immediate you. Who are you thinking about to stir up? Because we are part of a team. And this is why we must see that we all need that tearing up of one another. Verse 25. Another thing that has been going wrong in our day and age where some people... Verse 25, please. Hebrews 10, 25. It said, not what? Let's read that together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day. Approaching, There are many people today who are not in fellowship. They were in fellowship just three years ago. They were in fellowship ten years ago. Some were in fellowship. Some that migrated to this country were in fellowship. Not just in fellowship in their home country. They were leading fellowship. They came to this country and then... <laughs> they started fellowshipping with their bed. <laughs> we must understand that we must not forsake the assembling of ourselves together because there is the power that draws the anointing from the head flowing down in a place that God wants us to be. The Bible says we keep exhorting one another as you see the day approaching. The day is in capital D. The day he will appear again. 
every small day that we are facing on a continuous basis, like today, yesterday, tomorrow, all those days are removing one day from the big day. So we keep encouraging one another. Where you see somebody is slowing down and they are not as active, call them, find out how are you doing, how is your work, what's happening around you. Then you may be shocked to find that there's been a child, there's been a challenge health-wise, or there's been something, or it's just been an overwhelming situation of life. Then you stir them up onto good works again, exhorting them to keep going. This is what a team should be doing. Don't feel that you are judging, that you should judge anybody. You may be the one needing the help tomorrow. You may be the one needing the encouragement tomorrow. Nobody, the Bible says, anyone that thinks he stands, let him do what? Take heed, lest he falls. Hallelujah. Number three, let's leverage the power of our individual uniqueness. Every one of us is individually unique. Let's leverage the power. There is no way I can do what you do exactly the way you do it. You are wired up by God to be the way you are. I am wired up by God to be the way I am. I'm a preacher, but I function in many areas of life almost at the same level of intensity. But it is unfair, it would be unfair on me for to say to every preacher that you should go and be like that because we are not the same. There are preachers who do only one thing and they do it so well. There are preachers who do five things and they do all the five so well. It is found, the secret is found in Matthew 25. To some, he gave five. To one, he gave five. To another one, he gave two. To another one, he gave one talent. It doesn't matter. Whatever he gives to you, do it very well and make sure that you are maximizing it. You are unique. Say, I am unique. Look at your neighbor and say, you are unique. Say, I need your uniqueness. If that person is your spouse, you say, I need your uniqueness. You don't have your spouse with you. Say it in the spirit. Say, honey, I need your uniqueness. <laughs> Say, sweetheart, I need your uniqueness. If you don't feel like saying sweetheart today because of what happened yesterday, I'm forcing you to say it now in the name of Jesus. Say, sweetheart. Open your mouth. Say, sweetheart. If I don't hear you, you will stand up and come here. Say, sweetheart. I need your uniqueness in the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we overcome that song I like it eh? this is how we win our battle eh? this is how we win our battle if it's not sweet you call it sweet then it becomes sweet don't say that useless man <laughs> call it sweet it will be sweet hallelujah <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 12 this was where God spoke about many, uh, Paul spoke about the spirit of God and those gifts. Verse 18, look at this. He said, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleases. Just as he pleased. God made you the way he has chosen to make you. He made me the way he has chosen to make me. You know what? I'm not better than you. You are not better than me. No human being is better than the other. Let us just continue to respect one another and be thankful to God. Hallelujah. He said he set the members as he pleased. Verse 19. Please leave those scriptures on for me. Verse 19. He said, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? If everybody, look at verse 20. Verse 20. He said, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Verse 21. And let's read verse 21 together. Verse 21. Thank you. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. 
And he went on, on, and on, and on. Verse 26 says, And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Let's read verse 27 together. He said, Now you are the body of Christ, and members individually, members uniquely. This church, as a corporate entity under God, is a unique member of the global church. Every church is a member individually of the one global church named after Christ. Every member in that one local church or local assembly or ministry is a member individually that is given a unique set of abilities that nobody else has. And so we must learn to understand that we need to value each other. Every one of us must understand that every time the devil tries to make us see that our uniqueness is not good enough, and so we are not a valuable member of the team, we rob ourselves and rob the team of that great gifting. Everyone must also see that the moment we see that our uniqueness is better than the uniqueness of another person, we rob ourselves of the ability to tap into the uniqueness of that other person. Everyone is unique, members individually. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Say, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ. Verse 16 together, verse 16. Ephesians 4, 16. Let's read together. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what each joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You must do your share. I must do my share. In my marriage, I must do my share. My wife must do her share. Every part does its share. When you do your share and I do my share, we complement and then we find that we are doing much more than we could have done individually. The body of Christ has been so tainted by this image where there are only a few people doing their share. Many other people feeling, well, I don't have anything to contribute. But the Bible says every part does its share. Let us always continue. When I went to bury my father, I'll talk about this a lot because it's my recent experience. Two weeks ago, the truth is, for weeks, we have been planning. Because it's not an easy thing. Somebody of that, I, I knew that by God's grace, he was a person who had influenced many lives, but I had no idea until various people were calling me. The school he planted, the churches he, he, he planted, and the, the projects he started. So many things I didn't even know about. Scholarships of different types. Little, little things here and there. And everybody wanted to come and testify and do something and then, and then all the things that we normally would do. He was never a chief, but the chiefs, 16 of them in the local area, came together and said they have to come and represent the, you know, themselves in his funeral because even though he never collected the chieftaincy title, as far as they are concerned, he was like a chief for them, and so on and so forth. And they all came in their regalia, and they came and, of course, did Christian prayer and things like that. All so beautiful. But you see, seven weeks before that time, 
All that made me know that something was happening is what was going out of my account. That is the only thing. <laughs> I was sat here, something was going out of my account. But you see, by the time I reached home, so many things had been sorted. I was so relaxed. I would go in and sleep as if nothing was happening around me. That massive, you know, about at the time, we were having about 400, 300, 400 people within the compound in the, in the very final uh, uh, reception service. What am I trying to say here? But a, a whole team, my mother-in-law was like a field marshal at all. She sorted out so many people before I got there. I told my wife, I said, you know what? If not for what Mama, we call her, did for us, I would have reached home and be running around trying to do this. But she fixed all those things before we got there. You need people. You need a team. And each person must be doing their share. If you are not here doing your share when you are to do what you are to do, how will it be possible for this work to be going on? I want every one of us to be encouraged. Whatever God calls you to do, just do it. Keep doing your share. God rewards. I say keep doing your share. God rewards. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord is working some very fantastic testimonies in my life. I'm just giving it a few more weeks and I'm going to share with you very fantastic, outstanding things that God has been doing and uh, I believe that it is not just for me. This is truly supernatural overflow time. And God will be reaching every one of us in Jesus' name. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, he says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. You've received something? Minister it to us. Don't go about saying, that's my gift. Nobody recognizes it. I, I, I try, I let them see. They know. I can play guitar, I can play keyboard. I can, they, 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 every Sunday they say, that man should be playing keyboard. Let them be looking. <laughs> the man playing keyboard is using his gift if you can play keyboard and you did not say it to anybody no angel will come and say it you are the one that is not a good steward he said as good stewards of the manifold grace of God that man has been there weeks Sunday upon Sunday Sunday upon Sunday Sunday upon Sunday there is no way God will not bless him and his family it's impossible it's impossible no matter what the devil says it's impossible I say impossible in the name of Jesus and that goes to all of you. It goes to all of you. When you have been doing this work and doing the work God com commanded into your hand, you are showing that you are a good steward. And the Bible says, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, then he releases more grace and he causes you to experience the goodness in the land. In the name of Jesus. I want to end by saying, in 1 Corinthians 1.10, he said, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind. Let us all work together. Let us all work together. I say perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. May God continue to help us to recognize the value of teamwork in the mighty name of Jesus. Who is this voice that is trying to preach with me every time? He should wait till when I finish, then he can be preaching anywhere. <laughs> I hope we are not having frequency jams again. Okay. When we first started this church, the, the very first Sunday, I carried the microphone to say, praise the Lord. Then I started hearing one Englishman singing, holy, holy. Then we found that we were intersected by another church. I think that church, <laughs> I said, oh no, now three of us are speaking into this microphone. <laughs> Let's rise to our feet and thank God for 
New Unction for TV. Well, 